Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This morning, back on favour is uh, the theme of this month, the focus of this month. I want to read to you from Genesis 39, verse 20 to 22. And then I want to talk to you this morning about running in your own lane. Love you to get your thinking cap on. Get out your notepad, your pen. Uh, If you're going to get out your phone or your device, don't get distracted by anything else that pops up in your notifications. Stay with me. Listen to me. Turn to your neighbour right now and say, listen to him. Very good. Genesis 39 verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Favour in Scripture is always on a person. It's always about a someone, not a something or a somewhere. It's always on someone's life. And sometimes we can get so occupied with what God is doing in someone else's life that we don't walk in the favour that God has for our life. John 21, just a couple of more Scriptures. John 21 verse 15. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's now meeting with the disciples and He's getting them ready for their future and what's going to happen. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, watch this here. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, how old? I don't know. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. That's the Apostle John who's writing this. So of course he's the one Jesus really loved. The one who leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? As for you, follow me. Picture the the scene here a minute. The Apostle Peter is having a one-on-one with the resurrected Jesus 
just prior to Jesus going to heaven. And Jesus begins to question Peter, but then he reveals to him something about Peter's future. I want you to imagine it's you. And Jesus is saying to you, by the way, let me tell you what your old age is going to look like. Somebody somewhere is going to take you captive. You'll end up being martyred for me, for your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but right there, there is a couple of questions that immediately come to mind that I want the answers to. Hello? How about when? Huh? Is it at age 50, 60, 70, 80, 90? Am I going to make the 100? Where is it so that I can never go there? Yeah, you kind of got to get the, the whole scene here. Jesus is telling him this. And Peter, they're having a conversation. Jesus, Jesus is not just saying it and then walking off, saying shush. They're actually having a dialogue. But because of comparison, because Peter is more concerned with what someone else is doing, he misses the obvious and he misses the opportunity. I don't know about you, but if Jesus is on the line, I've got a whole lot of questions I want to ask. Huh? But Peter misses all those because he's too busy worried about what somebody else's life is about, what somebody else is doing. And because of that, he misses the obvious questions and the opportunity to ask them because of comparison. I think lots of people are missing the favour of God from their life. They're not walking in it because they're so occupied with what everybody else is doing. Favour that God has, the favour for you is not the same as for the person across the aisle or for the person in the church down the road. It's favour just for you. There is a favour God has and you'll miss it unless you understand how to run in your own lane. See, there's a rule in certain athletics events that require every runner to stay in their own lane. Have a look at this video quickly. Uh, this is a, a race run not that long ago. Here it is. One or two problems here, and we're looking at the Jamaican. And look at that, on the opening leg, running inside the lane. And the point is, that is gaining an advantage. Running across the corner... And that is the Jamaican athlete. So that is Rosemary White. And one foot clearly inside the lane. And that should be a disqualification because she has gained an advantage. This whole team gets disqualified because one of the runners, and if you're from Jamaica, I'm sorry to, to resurrect your pain. Uh, we have Tisa here, but she's from Trinidad, I checked. Made sure I wasn't kind of showing up her nation. But uh, this whole team gets disqualified. Well, you think that's bad enough? Last year in the IAAF meet in Birmingham, England. IAAF, IAAF is the International Association of Athletics Federations. In July last year, these people... Uh, we're running in a heat and the, well, actually, have a look. Here it is. Have a look. Here's the pick of it. Here they all are. The bizarre track event that left every runner disqualified. There was no winner. 
everyone in the race got disqualified because they ran out of their lane. How bizarre is that? That's last year. And every single one of them stepped out of the space allocated to them and started running in their neighbour's lane. That reminds me of what Peter did. He's thinking about stepping out of his lane into John's lane. God, what about John? I want to know what someone else is doing. I want to know what his gifts are. I want to see what those people over there have got happening. And I want to get into their space and out of mine. And when you do that, we fail to understand that we are all uniquely created by God. We are all uniquely called and uniquely gifted. And there's a lane for you to run in. Your value is never going to be in running in someone else's lane or trying to run in their lane. Your reward, all those people I just showed you there, they lost the prize They lost the opportunity because they ran out of their lane. You say, Jeff, what's this got to do with favour? Well, it's got everything to do with favour. Because see, if I'm running in my lane, then the favour of God is going to be on my life. But the moment I start trying to run in your lane, the moment I start acting like, you know what? I've got to copy that person. I should be more like them. The moment I do that, I'm stepping out of God's favour. See, God's favour for me is in my lane. When I step out of that, well, I'm stepping out of the favour of God that He has for me. I'm not talking here about some narrow boundary and you can't try stuff. I believe it's a pretty wide lane. But God's reward for you is in running your race. Let's go back to Genesis and look at the verses we started with. Genesis 39 verse 20, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he's there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favour in the sight of the uh, keeper of the prison. It seems to me that there is something in the heart of God that loves to honour people, loves to bring favour to them before they've done anything to earn it. Think about Jesus when He gets baptised in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. Now, up until this moment, the only thing Jesus has ever done is to be born, to be a good son and to go to church every week. He's never done another thing, no miracles. He's never preached a sermon. He's never uh, walked on the water. He's never done any remarkable thing. And what is it that God speaks from heaven as He comes up out of the water and God the Father speaks, the Son's in the water and the Holy Spirit comes like a dove and it settles over Him. And the voice from heaven says what? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Not well pleased at the end when He's on the cross. Not well pleased after he's walked on water. Not well pleased after all. I know this is like pretty hard for humans to get because we are so used to earning stuff. We earned that promotion. You get that promotion at work and most of us go, well, I worked hard for that promotion. When you get your university qualification, nobody here goes, ha, I just showed up and they gave it to me. Huh? Anybody here got a university degree like that? I'll bet you didn't. 
Even if you get an honorary one, it's because you did something worthy of honour. We are so used to that, that the idea that God's favour, like it was on Joseph, was on him when he's a nobody in everybody else's eyes. It looks like God has turned his whole life the wrong way up. It looks like he's obviously out of the will of God. It looks like obviously God has forsaken him and left him. It's obvious to the onlooker that Joseph must have committed some grievous sin and now God is punishing him and judging him. And yet the reverse according to the Scripture is the truth that God's favour was on him, even though it didn't look like it. He's running in his lane. Hang on, come with me right. At the end of this message, I'm going to drop a bombshell for some of you here. Trust me. God's favour was on him when everybody else thought he's had it. And God said he was pleased with Jesus before anything has even happened. I want you to know this morning, God's favour is on us now, regardless of how things appear or how others think. Regardless of what's going on, maybe you've just had a struggle with something. And you feel like, oh God, you know, and, and isn't it true that as Christians, we sometimes tend to think, if God was really with me, my life would be different. Hello, am I talking to anybody in the building this morning? Huh? Isn't that true? We all tend to think that. You know, if you lose your job, we go, oh man, God must have, what have I done wrong? If you get into financial difficulties, oh, what have I, what have I had I missed God? If you get sick, oh God, why? And, and all this stuff that goes on, but God's favour is on you now, regardless of how things appear or what other people think. His favour is on you in order to take you to your destiny. But you've got to listen to me. You've got to run in your lane. Oh, come on. Listen, I was having a conversation with a pastor this week uh, from another city and he was talking to me about uh, some commonalities that we share and, and he's going, yeah, but, and, you know, but I wouldn't do it like that. And I go, but that's not your lane. That's not your lane. You've got to run in your lane, not tell everybody else how they ought to run in their lane. Are you with me? Because I can guarantee you may not win your race all the time, but I can guarantee to tell you how you lose it. Running with a rubber neck. How many of you have ever noticed when you're on the freeway? I remember once being stuck in traffic on the freeway in Perth and the, we were like parked. It seemed to be going for hours. And I'm, I, in my mind, I'm going, I bet there's a bus overturned up the road there and there's school kids scattered all over the place. I have a vivid imagination then. <laughs> And, you know, there's uh, sirens and there's ambulance and it's, it's got to be a massive crisis and, you know, it'll be just, um, you know, and that'll be why we are parked like we are. And when I finally inched my way forward and I got up to the place where the crisis had occurred, it was a ute with the bonnet up. <laughs> the hood, for those of you from... North America. It's a breakdown for goodness sake. And do you know why we were going so slow? Because West Australians can't drive past something like that without going. 
and thousands of people (laughs) have got to look and see what the guy in the breakdown lane is doing. You got to run in your lane. Come on, this is going to help some of you here this morning. Some of you here that think that if God's going to use you, you need to have a different life. You need to have a different personality. You need to be gifted differently. You need to have a better past. And the reality is that God's got a lane for you to run in and His favour is on you in your lane. It's not the guy over there. Let him run his race. Huh? Don't be a rubberneck Christian. Here's a couple of things. Number one, your growth is always in your lane. This statement occurred to me the other day. I wrote it down. I thought it was so powerful. Occasionally I get wise things drop into my heart and I think, wow, that's worth remembering. I remember writing this down. You can't grow a different you. You can only grow a better you or a bigger you. Like a lump, but I'm who I am. And there's a whole lot of me. Should I be perfect? Yes. Am I trying to be? Sometimes. But I know that even if I get perfect, it's only going to be a perfect Jeff. And I'd love to have the talent of some other people. I would love. Have you ever never dreamt when you were a kid of if you were famous and how you would serve God? You know, I used to think, Lord, if only I'd been six foot six and had hops instead of being white man can't jump. And I could have been a professional basketballer. Lord, that platform, I would have served you in it. Amen. Huh? How many here ever dreamt of winning lotto? And Lord, if I win lotto, what the things I'm going to do for you? Huh? Anybody here win the jackpot this week? What was it, 100 million? Anybody win that? If there are, I'm personally going to pray with you after the service. How many know that lots of us spend a lot of our life comparing ourselves to somebody else? They've got wealth. If I had that, I'd do that. That's comparison. If I could sing, if I could play, if I could speak, if I could whatever, do like them. And we spend our time running in someone else's lane and you're never going to get a medal. You're never going to get on the podium running in someone else's lane. Jesus never said when you die and you stand before God, He's going to say, well, good for running in someone else's space. Huh? Your growth is in your lane. If I'm going to grow, it's going to be in my space. I'm going to get better. And I pray every one of us is continuing to say, God, I want to grow. I want to grow in Christ. I want to grow as an individual. I want to grow in my relationships. I want to grow in everything. I want to grow in understanding. I want to grow. I want to not just know more. I want to become more. But that's never going to happen because I'm trying to become you. Your grace is in your lane. Number two, your grace is in your lane. I was thinking during the week or a couple of weeks ago about 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 where the Apostle Paul gets told by God, you know, when he asked God to take away this certain uh, thorn in his flesh, this thing that was causing him trouble. 
And it says he asked the Lord three times. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I've heard pastors and preachers preach for years that that somehow rather applied to everybody. But can I tell you, that was Paul getting grace for his lane. And it doesn't mean that if you had the same thing, that God wouldn't take it away from you. Hello? Don't stop praying about something because someone you know said, well, I'm taking up my cross. I'm carrying this. Maybe that's their lane and maybe it's not your lane at all. Amen. I'm always believing for the best in my life, not the best according to what someone else has been able to experience. Because the grace of God is in my life. I can walk in my grace, not in somebody else's. Can I say that if you are a leader in any field, there is a grace for leadership, but there is a different grace for followership. I'm both as most of us are in environments where in some you're the leader, then walk in the grace to lead well, but in other environments you're a follower. Don't act like the, don't take leader's grace and put it into follower grace space. Because all you'll do is offend everybody. Are you with me here? Huh? And if you take followership, there's a verse in Proverbs that says this, this is an evil on the earth. That it says this, uh, servants on horseback while princes walk. In other words, God's saying, if you're a leader, there's a grace for that, lead well in that space. Your growth is in your lane, your grace is in your lane. Number three, your gifts are in your lane. Your gifts are all in your lane. Why are you gifted like you are? Because there's a lane for you to run in. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 4. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of His body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we are not. Let me read verse 6 to you again. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. We live in a time when comparison has never been so easy and so constant. Instagram in Australia, did it in seven countries, by the way. Uh, This year, Instagram decided to hide the number of likes on Instagram from everybody but the person who has the account. The reason they did that, and I quote, all you young tech people, listen up. All you old Instagram addicts, listen up. The move underscores how tech companies are thinking twice about features and products that can wreak havoc on your mental health. That's why Twitter did what they did. Because they go, comparison 
is absolutely one of the prime reasons for mental disorder and mental breakdown. Hello, even the tech companies know that. Facebook, Apple and Google introduced tools last year to limit your screen time. In July, Pinterest, which scrapped its like button in 2017, released emotional well-being activities, such as deep breathing exercise and practicing gratitude. Photo app Vesco and Instagram competitor doesn't publicly display the number of likes an image receives. The social networks are testing ways to improve your mental health. And the first thing they think of is let's stop the comparison bandwagon. By the way, just because it's funny, do you know what the, the pic on Instagram that's had the most likes in history is? Who said that? You win the prize. Free coffee for you afterwards. It's the picture of an egg. Not some hero saving people from a burning building, an egg. That should tell you something about how important everybody values your posts. <laughs> they like an egg more than you. Are you with me here? Huh? All the selfies in the world get beaten by an egg. Lady Gaga, all them, sorry you got beaten by an egg. I thought that was funny anyway. But comparison started way before Instagram or any form of advertising. I told you a bombshell. Watch this. Isaiah 14 verse 12 and 13 and 14 are three verses in the Old Testament that tell us the origin of Satan. Isaiah 14 verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you said, why did he fall? Because you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the height of the clouds and the fifth I will, which is the reason why there, many people believe there are five wounds in Jesus' body. Five wounds, one for every I will of Satan in Isaiah 14. But the last one, the last I will is not like any of the others. All the other I wills are about what he's going to do the last I will that brings Lucifer undone is this. I will be like. Not I will be the Most High. He's not trying to kick God off the throne. He's getting into the whole thing of comparison. Says, I want to be like that. And the sin of comparison was the cause of his fall. You think that's good. Hold on. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4 and look at another fall. I never realised any of this until I was in worship somewhere the other week. And these two passages lit up to me. And I thought, 
And I'd already been thinking about this message of running in your own lane and realising the damage that comparison and trying to live your Christian life, rubbernecking your way through, looking at what everybody else is up to instead of running in your lane. Genesis 3 verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You won't die. God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Now watch this. And you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. He never said you're going to be God. Again, the same language is used. You're going to be like. And right there in the garden, instead of Eve understanding who she was created to be, walking under the, the, the love and the care of Almighty God, all of a sudden for the first time, comparison comes into her life and she begins to think, yeah, God's like this. And the serpent comes and says, you could be like that. Made me think, and I'm not saying this is absolutely so, but it made me wonder if the original sin is actually the sin of comparison. Am I living my life thinking about everyone? It is immensely freeing to your soul. The day you realise that God made you to be you because He liked you and wanted you to be you and didn't want you to be somebody else because if He wanted you to be somebody else, He would have made you them. Huh? Huh? And, and you got born where you were because God needed someone who was born where you were. Huh? And God made you look like you look like because He needed someone who looks like you. That's a bit of a letdown for some of you. <laughs> and keep trying to change it. And I'm, I'm not suggesting here, by the way, we just go, well, hello. If this is it, we're all going to see it here, baby. Who gives a rip? I'm just going to let it happen. Remember we said your growth is in your lane. It doesn't mean that I just simply let go and allow myself to be whatever because I'm going to try and grow. You know, I started trying to get healthy many, many years ago. You know why? Because I watched my pastor have a heart attack at the age of 45, I think it was, and took him out of the ministry for five years. And I looked at that and I thought, see, it's not about what you look like but I want to make sure I can run the race for a long distance. Amen. It's not about that. You know, someone said to me the other day, you know, about, I was telling them about a project I'm working on. And they said to me, oh yeah, well, you know, I guess you'd be thinking about what other people think. And I said, well, actually, I don't give a rip what other people think. I said, but I know that if I did that, it'd be what I think of me that would be the most damaging, not what someone else does. Are you with me here? Are you living your life for Christ saying, I'm going to flourish where I am? Or are you living all the time looking at everybody else doing stuff and going, wish I had that, wish I had that gift, wish I could be more prophetic? Well, you probably can be, but you're probably never going to be someone else. Amen. Listen, you can wear someone else's clothes for a minute, but they're never going to look as good on you as your own clothes do. Huh? Hello? If I came out here today, I was in threads the other day and I saw this Amina Geldo Zenya jacket. Like, hello, Zenya. Do you know how much those things are worth? Like, pick a number above 1500 bucks. That's how much they're worth. And I looked at that and it was beautiful. It didn't look like it had ever been worn much. And I'm looking at this thing, it was a beautiful colour. 
it was blue with like a black fine thing through it, a line through it. I'm looking at that going, man, that's sharp. Whoa. And I said to Joanne, I think it was, was in there, and I said, Joanne, what's the price on that? And she said, I can't see one. I said, well, it could be 10 bucks then. (laughs) The only problem was it was a regular fitting and and my wife will tell you, please don't buy that. It's too short. It looks silly on you. You know, and so I buy the longer fittings. And, you know, as much as I admired it, if it's not my size, it's not going to fit. Amen. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can admire. Like I admire talent everywhere I see it. But if it's not my size, I can't wear it. Let me finish. Satan's whole thing is about comparison and he fell himself because of it. The first fall in the garden was because of it and it's been his chief strategy ever since. If he can get you occupied, seriously, that's why if social media is an issue for you and if it creates that, let me give you a real great bit of godly advice. Get off it. If you are spending more of your time delving into other people's lives on Facebook, this is not an anti-social media message. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Yeah. But I can tell you there are some days where you just go, you better not get into that stuff because if you are spending more of your life comparing yourself to somebody else, then you are growing in the life God gave you. Turn it off. I thought I'd get it couple of amens. Thank you, Nathan. Well done. <laughs> How do I do all this? How do you do this? I'm going to, this is so simple. Make your goal to be a Christ like you. Because when I say, oh, become like Christ, we all think that means we're all going to grow our hair long and look like Jesus. Can I say a Christ like you looks very different to a Christ like Bruce Grant? who looks very different, praise God, from a Christ-like Kylie Glass. When God makes you Christ-like, you don't look the same, think the same and act the same because you've got a part in the body that no one else has got. All right? One more scripture, Ephesians 1 verse 17. But I do more than thank, Paul says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to do what? Get you out of trouble? Make you turn up to church every week? None of that. He says to make you intelligent. What's godly intelligence look like? Intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. What happens when I know Christ personally? Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He is calling you to do. So you can grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for Christians. When I give my life, someone asked me during the week, how do I know the will of God for my life? This was my answer. Say yes a lot. And then I began thinking about it and I realised how Few Christians have ever said to God, I'll do whatever you say and I'll go wherever you tell me to go. 
we go, well, Lord, I'll do whatever you want, but just give me a heads up. I like it out here. Can I tell you, if you want to find the will of God and run in your lane, here's what you do. Get to know Jesus. Amen. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. Verse 11 of Ephesians 1 says, we find out who we are and what we are living for. Amen. So some of you here, that you are like nerdiness to the max. You don't have to go out and become party animal person. Be friendly, but you don't have to go out and be somebody different. Some of you here that go maths, schmaths. Who gives a rip about all that stuff? You're never going to win a quiz night, no matter what they put it on. Don't be worried about that. Run in your lane. God's got a lane for you to run in. You'll discover what it is the more you get into Christ because He will open your eyes and your eyes will become focused and clear. Know Him personally and then know exactly what He's calling you to do. I wish it was more complicated than that. I wish that I could give you tricky seven steps and we'd all go, wow. But I haven't got any because the Scripture just says, get to know Jesus. How do you get to know Jesus? I was thinking about this during the week where Jesus, you know, when he called people to follow him, he never waited around. He just said, come follow me and he'd walk off. Huh? Why? Because it's up to them to say, well, wait for me. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. Amen. Chase after Jesus in your life. Come on, chase after Jesus in your life. Whatever that looks like. Some of you here, well, you know, I remember as a young Christian, uh, you know, getting into all, I'd read all about prayer and praying hard and his whole heart moved over the other side of the body and, you know, because he'd travail for hours in prayer. I told God once I'd pray for two hours every day, even if it killed me. By the end of the week, it killed me. Well, dead. I don't know how you're running your lane in a whole lot of areas. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us today in Jesus' name. You've got a lane for us to run in and in that lane, it's our sweet spot. We love your presence. We enjoy what you've called us to do. We see fruit for it, Lord, because it's our lane. It's our sphere. Save us, God, from worrying about what everybody else is running, how they're going around the track, what's happening in their part of the race. Are they ahead of us? Are they behind us? Where are we at? Are they beating us? They look better than us. Lord, help us to run what you've called us to run in Jesus' name. If you've called us to business, Lord, then we want to run in business really well. If you've called us to uh, our home, we want to run in our home really well. If you've called us to academia, we want to run in that really well. Lord, whatever you've called us to do, we want to say yes to today in Jesus' name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This church exists on the planet for only two things. One is to reach people and the other is to teach people so that they're released. That's why we're here beating deeply inside of our heart is the awareness that God loves every human being 
regardless of their past. Have you lived a good life? God still loves you, wants to be close to you. Have you lived a screwed up life? God loves you and wants to be close to you. The Bible says we all need God. And I've found in my life in talking with people and thousands of them over the years that everyone's looking for God. Many of them have given up on religion because it just seemed to bring pain. When you point out to them that Jesus is not a religion, He's a person. And He wants to have a relationship with you and He wants to give you a life that's eternal. My goodness, they go, wow, I never knew that. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you hear this morning and you say to me, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that. You might've gone to church when you were a kid or got christened or confirmed or baptised or something. Or maybe you never did any of that stuff. Maybe you grew up in a home where God was never even mentioned. But today, sitting here or listening via the podcast, watching this on the YouTube channel, you say, Jeff, I know I need Jesus. What have I got to do? Well, let me tell you, it's this simple. I said it before. Just say yes to Him. That's all you got to do. I'd love to be praying for you. And I know I'm praying for people that are watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, wherever you are. People here in front of me right now, you're saying, Jeff, I need Jesus in my life. I'd love to pray for you just so I know I'm praying for you. And obviously I can't see you on the podcast or see you on the YouTube channel, but I can see you if you're in front of me. You say to me, Jeff, I want to follow Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up and put it back down again just so I can see you wherever you are? Say, Jeff, I want to follow Christ today. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Would you do that? Just wherever you are, put it up. Thank you, sir. You can put it down. Who else? Just wherever you are. You say, that's me. I'm just looking across the building while people are praying. While we're saying, God, would you touch that one? Would you help that one? Is there anybody else just before we pray? You say, that's me. I want to start following Jesus. I want to say yes to Christ today. Then we're going to pray together. And those of you that are watching or those of you that are listening along with the person here, I want to lead you in a prayer. Make this prayer yours. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Lots of people here are going to pray to encourage you in your step you're taking with God. Say this after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me because I matter to you. I need your forgiveness. I want your future in my life. Save me today. Come into my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You don't need to pray this prayer, but Father, I'm praying for the people that are going to yes text. And Lord, we'll get it somewhere or other during the week. We'll just get a number. We won't know their name, but to you, they're not a number. They're a name. They're a a person with a home and a life and a family and and a whole future in front of them. And you're going to save them. Pray for that person here, Lord, as they've said yes to you. Let it open up everything that You promised for each one of us in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. You'll see up on the screen behind me what I mentioned a minute ago, yes text, 0488826392. I'm still flabbergasted at this every week. How many people every single week, people are texting in a yes, usually some part or other, late at night or during the day in the middle of the week most of them actually come in during the week 
someone goes away and thinks, I really want to say yes to Christ. And we are praying for you because even though it might be that one step further from us seeing you face to face, there's no less love and no less care attached to it for you. That's why we say, if you don't have a Bible, go visit our Connect Hub. Say, I need a Bible. They'll give you one. You say, I don't know anybody here. I don't know how to get started. We run a Connect group here in this building every second Wednesday. Go see them at the Connect Hub. They'll help you do that. Because we want to see you take the next step so you end up running in your lane because there's going to come a day where you're going to stand on the podium and they're going to call out your name and they're going to say, well done. You ran your... What did the Apostle Paul say? I have run my race. Not yours. Not every apostle went to Rome, only one. Not every apostle was martyred for their faith. Most of them were, but in different parts. But Paul said, I ran my race. Come on, let's stand and worship God together. Pray that'll help you and encourage you. Get that comparison thing. Decide you're going to beat that out of your life in Jesus' name. Thanks, John. Come on, let's sing.